Okay, welcome. Let's be open our Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 5. Uh, uh, we have exciting things going on today. Kale Drager came up to me in uh, fellowship and said, I drove myself to church today. Wow. Congratulations, Kale. Where did he go? There he is. Job, Kale. Road, drove himself, and then he said, pray for me that I'll get home alive. Pray for you and everyone else, my friend. Okay. Anyways, that's awesome. That's exciting. Our kids are growing up. Um, okay. You know what? Hey, Ellen, could you put the last summary of that last song about God is good on the stage? You know, it's really cool when everything comes together in a service. And today we're talking about God's deliverance. And I don't know if you know this, the first time I saw this actually, but this song is all about the book of Exodus. Just look about it. Um, he brought me out of darkness. It's all about God bringing the Israelites out of Egypt, okay? He saved my soul. We're going to talk today about deliverance and redemption and going through the Red Sea. He guides my every footstep. We're going to talk about the Spirit's guidance and how the Spirit guided the Israelites through the desert. He puts shoes on my feet. And I was like, that's kind of an interesting lyric to a song that, I mean, I'm glad I got shoes. But no, there's, it's richer than that, right? I mean, he didn't let the Israelites' sandals wear out. And I don't know if you've ever walked through a desert. But that's rough, right? If you're going barefoot, okay? But God protected their feet, put food, you know, the manna and the quail, and no money in my pocket. Well, the Israelites started with no money in their pocket, but the God provided through the Egyptians. And isn't that cool? Uh, I just thought that was really cool. And uh, also, um, the day uh, they, we sang the song, The Days of Elijah, and Eli shouted out, Oh, you didn't have to. Uh, but uh, last week was the Days of Elijah, bringing the word of the Lord. Uh, and Jake is going to sing a special song after the sermon all about... Uh, um, Deliverance, uh, so we're excited about that. So, amen. Um, knowing God's deliverance is our message title for today. Um, you know, uh, we had a we had an incident in our household the other day. Uh, Christy was making dinner, and all all of us were kind of doing separate things in the in the house, and she yelled out, "Dinner is ready." Okay, dinner is ready. Wasn't unclear, right? She, you know, she yelled it loud. Um, and guess what happened? <laughs> so you've experienced this too. Uh, no one moved an inch of those bad kids. Actually, it was me too, okay? Uh, and so then typically what would happen is Christy would be like, uh, hello, excuse me, dinner's ready. And, you know, after a number of callings, we would actually hear, listen, and obey, right, and come to the dinner table. Well, I think Christy had just had about enough, right, because there was a pattern. Dinner's ready, no movement whatsoever. And after about five minutes or so, I was like, oh, I thought dinner was ready. So I sauntered on in there, and there's Christy eating dinner by herself. <laughs> right? 
all those who are making dinner just, I mean, standing up. You should have seen Megan's face. Like, yeah, that's right. You go, girl. That's what I'm talking about, okay? And uh, I was like, well, honey, like, why are you eating? She said, I made the dinner, and I called. I'm not going to just call and call and call. You don't want dinner, then you don't have to go. And she was sending a message. And I was like, the Spirit of God came upon me. And I said, I'm sorry. And we are all sorry. And I went to the kids. Like, what do you think? No, I was like, hey, guys. Did you guys hear mom? Huh? <laughs> so, yeah, I heard her. It's like, okay, you heard her. And you just said, right? We're going to talk today about hearing the voice of God. There's a special word we're going to look at. But I think that so often describes our experience. So, yeah, I heard. I just didn't do anything. Or I didn't hear her say anything, you know. We're distracted or whatever. We don't tune into the voice of God. And God, I think, after a while, is like, I called. You didn't answer. I'm moving on. Okay, anyways. Um, but this we're going to talk about God's deliverance in this word, Shema. It's a Hebrew word, Shema, which means to hear, to listen, and obey. Amen? We can all hear. We can even... And we cannot listen, right? We have ever tried to communicate and someone's hearing, but they're not listening? We can even hear and listen, but not obey. And the word Shema includes all three. Hear, listen, and obey. This is God's expectation. When he communicates, dinner is ready. He means dinner is actually ready, and he needs you to come to the table to eat. Okay, let's read. Exodus chapter 5. We're going through the whole Old Testament and we're thinking about knowing God. What does it mean to know and become one with and obey and reflect the character of God? Who is God? In Eli, I'm going to do a little bit of review last week of Eli's sermon because there was something, a few things in there that were like summarized the whole sermon series. This, this chapter 5, verse 1, uh, right in here. Pharaoh actually says, what we want to ask the question. He says, Afterward, Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. In other words, Yahweh is like, dinner is ready. Okay? Um, but Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? Now, here, uh, this is the first, one of the first times that God is revealing his personal name, Yahweh, okay? Here we have Elohim in El Shaddai, a lot of the El's from Genesis, but here in, he's called Yahweh, but here God is saying, I am Yahweh. And Pharaoh is like, who is Yahweh, right? And there's a bit of an attitude. Who is Yahweh that I should obey his voice, to let Israel go. I do not know the Lord. And besides, I will not let Israel go. See, this is so crucial. Obedience to God just doesn't come from, I don't obey if I have to obey the Lord, whatever. No, it's knowing the character of God. Hearing the voice of God. Trusting God the mind and the heart and the power and the goodness 
and the love behind that voice. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 10? He said, I'm the good shepherd. My sheep know my voice. And those who are not my sheep, they don't know my voice and they're not going to listen to my voice. But my sheep know my voice. See, Pharaoh did not know God. This is why ultimately we don't obey God, is because we don't know God. But when we know God and we become one with God, then we're eager to obey God. Amen? So Pharaoh's like, I don't know God. I'm not going to obey him. Okay? Um, Shema. Hear, listen, and obey. Let's go to Exodus chapter 3. Because here we're going to see God's mission statement, so to speak, for what he's going to do with his people. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. And then we're going to walk through the story in chapters uh, 7 through 15. Okay? In Exodus, Exodus 3, verse 7, says, The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. One of the names of God is the God who sees. The God who sees. And that's very comforting because God sees. God knows. Amen? He knows who we are. He knows what we're going through. All right? So God sees the people. Verse 8, So I have come down to deliver them. A God who delivers. The God of deliverance. I've come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. This is God's mission. He's communicating with Moses. Moses, the Israelites are hurting. They're being oppressed. They're being killed. And I see and I hear their voice. And I'm responding. And I'm going to deliver them. He's going to deliver the, the nation of Israel from Egypt's kingdom, Egypt's power, Egypt's people, and Egypt's land from and into his kingdom, Yahweh's kingdom, the kingdom of God. The power of God will rule them and be within them. They will be a people of God. See, just up until this time, we had Abraham as a father, a man of God, and then the family as the family of God, and now it's a nation. Now it's a, this is the drawing out of the nation, out of, of Israel, out of Egypt. Amen? And so we see the, the drawing out and the establishment of a people, of a people. So salvation is never meant to be just individualistic. As Westerners, we've made it about ourselves as individuals. But God is always into a people for himself. Amen? So from the, into his power, into his people, and into his promised land, which at this time is a physical land, all right? But then we learned that it's a spiritual kingdom, and 
of all nations, a people drawn out of the nations into his kingdom, and Jesus will return and establish this uh, someday. Amen? So there is a process of deliverance that we learn. It's the process then, and it's a process today, a spiritual process. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how did they become to know God's deliverance, God as deliverer. There is a plague experience. We see Yahweh battling evil. A Passover experience, Yahweh's justice and mercy. The presence experience, so Yahweh's guidance, protection, and fullness. And the pass-through experience, Yahweh's complete victory. Okay, So that's, that's our outline for today. Now, we, we need a, a deliverance continuously. Amen? So salvation, either as an individual or as a people, is not a one-time event. Okay? D- deliverance. This morning, I need deliverance from the powers of evil, from the peoples of evil. Okay? Not, not the peoples of evil. <laughs> right? But from my own flesh and the, the forces of evil waging war against my soul. Right? I need deliverance. And so these, knowing God as deliverer is... Huge. So I hear his voice and obey his voice. Amen? Okay. Let's, uh, so I'm going to summarize. So Eli just did an incredible job preaching last week on the plagues primarily, chapter 7 through 11 in the book of Exodus. And we see Yahweh battling evil, battling evil. And what I just want to mention about this is the idea of our hearts and its ability to get harder or softer. So a common theme throughout that whole, all the plagues, right, was Pharaoh's heart. Did you catch that? Pharaoh's heart was mentioned a ton all the way through that. And we have this kind of difficult thing to process where it, it, there's, a few, there's times where it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Most of us will respond to that and kind of, what? I don't like, I don't. That doesn't seem to fit. I don't like that, right? Like, God, why did God harden Pharaoh's heart? And it's, there's insight into our hearts and into God, if you really understand and study this. So I'll summarize this, okay? This is good stuff about our hearts, okay? Because the Bible says in Proverbs 4, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. All of us in our hearts, our hearts are moving one way or another. They're getting harder or softer, literally as we listen right now, as we walk through life. You know, did you, you ever see grumpy old men? You know, we experience sometimes grumpy old men. That didn't just happen. They come out of the womb grumpy and old. Over time, there's a, just a hardening, an encrustening, a cynical kind of bitterness, anger, Right? Uh, um, so our hearts are either moving that direction or becoming softer. In Pharaoh, for the first five plagues, it, it refers to the, the Pharaoh's heart, but it said Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Okay. So what that meant was Pharaoh heard dinner is ready, but did not listen or care, or respect, or value Yahweh's will or voice, right? And says that process was, it hardened his heart. 
and he made a choice to not care. Okay? Now, God didn't give him one shot, right? Over and over again, God said, okay, I know so far you haven't listened, so I brought a plague. Hopefully you'll listen and let my people go. And God just doesn't bless the nation of Israel. He would bless the Egyptians who bless, right? That's how God works, all right? But Pharaoh said, no, I don't care again. I'm not going to let them go. And he has excuses, or he has, uh, and so another plague, hardened, he hardened his heart. Another plague, hard heart, another plague. It was only till, and even the, 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 Egypt, the uh, um, magicians were like, this is the finger of God, Pharaoh. So even their hearts were like, mm, this is God. By about the third plague, by about the third plague. Okay? You with me there? So what's happening? Pharaoh's continuing to choose not to listen, not to hear, not to obey. So when you do that, your heart doesn't stay. It gets harder, and then it gets harder, and then it gets harder. So after five plagues, God was finally like, listen, I've given you time after time. You've made your choice, Pharaoh. You've made your choice. At this point, I'm shifting to redeem, to work redemption purposes through even your hard heart. Does that make sense? And so then it says God hardened his heart. And it reminds me about the nature of God in Romans chapter 1. Verse uh, 24, verse 26, and 28 it talks about our progression of sin in our hearts. And it starts with not giving thanks to God or glorifying God as God. That's where it starts. We make a little choice. So we heard mom say, dinner's ready. But at that point, we chose not to listen, not to care, not to give thanks, and not to come enjoy the incredible dinner, right? And so it says God gave them over. God gave them over. So he said, God's like, I don't want you to sin. But if you really want to sin, I'm not into controlling your free will. If you want to sin, I'm going to give you over. But not completely over. I'm still going to work on your conscience. I'm still going to work through consequences. I'm still going to try to communicate to you. But over and over again, if you say, no, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Finally, God's like, okay. I'm here. I'm not moving anywhere. Let me know when you do care. Right? You with me there? So the point is that we, we do need to not take God lightly. God is serious. When he says something, he means it. And yet we so take lightly the word of God, the spirit of God, the calling of God, the voices of God, and we're just on to our busy lives. Okay, that's, that's the opposite of Shema, right? And uh, um, this is something that I experienced. And I think this is a common experience, so I'm going to share this, okay? When I was a younger man, I, one of my idols, one of the ways... That, that God was battling for my heart and in my sinful nature was uh, lust and impurity and immorality uh, with women, okay? So, so that was an idol. And I remember as a teenager, right before I got into a lot of this trouble in my life, Bob Johnson, who was uh, a minister in the church that I grew up in, came to me and sat me down, literally in the basement, I still, as vivid as it was yesterday. And he said, I'm concerned about you. He said, you know, the Bible teaches about impurity and immorality in dating non-Christian women. 
And he said, I'm concerned about you because I see you headed that direction. And I was kind of like, oh. and I, I mean, I was, I don't know, 15 or so, 16. I just, I wasn't a disciple, obviously, with my attitude. And I was like, I don't know even what I said, some kind of grumble, excuse, complain, whatever. But I literally felt in my heart feeling that I don't care. And my heart just went hardened. You with me here? Anyone else experienced this? And so guess what happened? I went, and God gave me over to my impurity and my immorality with non-Christian women. And I experienced consequences in the shame, in the misery, in the lack of that's not what I thought it was experiences, right? Are you with me there? And then when, it came, when I, it came, I was confronted again with the scriptures, it was like, whoa. I've, I've heard this before, but my heart, I, I had enough of consequences. And I said, you know what? I'm going to repent. And I, we got, I got cut to the heart about those sins in turn. So I'm not going that direction. That didn't mean I ever, didn't ever struggle with those things. It means that I'm not going to go that direction and follow those things. I'm going to turn and I'm going to follow Jesus. And I'm going to listen to his voice. Amen? I should still call up Bob Johnson and just say, I'm sorry, I, I didn't listen. I should have. Okay? How about you? Hebrews 3. Hebrews 3.15 says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. Okay? Now here, this is exactly what Pharaoh did in the, in the desert, as we're going to see later in a few weeks. Uh, this is what the Israelites did as well in God responds to that with appropriateness, okay? Patience, instruction, fighting against us, fighting against the evil in our hearts, and yet he will come to a point where he said, you've had your chance, and now I'm giving you over to what you really want and the consequences therein. Amen? Okay, now we don't like that really idea, but that's the truth. That's God. That's, that's Yahweh. That's God. Great patience, careful instruction, but an expectation that I am God and my word will be, will come to fruition. Okay? So today, as you battle evil, as God is battling evil with you, are you, is your heart softening or is it hardening? It's up to you. Okay? Repent or it will get worse. Amen? Amen. Wow, I wasn't very encouraging. Hey, it's encouraging if you do it. Repentance brings incredible refreshment. Okay, let's move on. All right, the Passover experience, Exodus chapter 12 and 13. So we have the Passover. Eli mentioned it, but this is one of the, the crucial moments in the history of God's people is we, and here we learn about the justice and mercy of God. The justice and mercy of God. Okay, um, could you go ahead and show that, uh, the next slide? Okay, so a couple weeks ago, we were on a family trip to um, Kentucky. Okay, rural Kentucky. And I saw this uh, sign. It was, like a, it, was, it was like a sign at like a store. And it was like, rules for dating my daughter. 
Now, I'm not saying that these are my rules, and I'm not saying that I would condone all of these rules. Amen? Huge disclaimer there. Okay, that, that is not the word of God. But I identified as a father about my child and my little girl, okay? And I, uh, some of these are rules for dating my daughter. And I have a 13-year-old. I asked her if I could share this. She said, number one, get a job. I, amen, strongly can, you know, understand I don't like you. It's just true. Um, number three, I am everywhere. You may think that I'm only right here, but I'm not. Okay? Um, number four, you hurt her, I hurt you. Seems fair. Okay? It's only just. Um, be home 30 minutes early. Uh, get a lawyer, just ahead of time, okay? Get a lawyer, I like it. If you lie to me, I will find out. That is Bible, the numbers, uh, chapter, um, and it's actually later in the sermon. It says, your sin will find you out. I think I'll have a little devotional with this young man about on numbers. Uh, she's my princess, not your conquest. Man and amen. Uh, I don't mind going back to jail. That, that was my favorite. That was a laugh out loud moment there. Uh, I really don't mind. I just got out of jail, and it wasn't that bad. I'm going back. So it's up to you. Um, whatever you do to her, I will do to you. Okay, why are we saying all this? Listen, Pharaoh, we can kind of think about the Passover and God killing the firstborn sons. And it can kind of be like, oh, harsh. But wait a second. Wait a second. Pharaoh ordered all the firstborn sons of Israel to be killed. Okay? Now, yeah, but the midwives. Yeah, the midwives saved a few. Okay? They saved a few. But then, in, but then afterwards... Pharaoh was upset in Exodus 1.22, so after the midwives saved some, it says, Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every uh, son who was born to you, you, you are to cast into the Nile, and every daughter you are to keep alive. Every son into the Nile. Okay? You do to my kid something like that, I'm going to do to your kid similar. Don't mess with God. Don't mess with God. Whoever dates my daughter should have a right kind of fear, right? Out of respect for her and her creator and her dad, right? Listen, the people of God are God's people. We are his children. Satan messes with God's people. God's going to mess with Satan. And we like that, right? We're like, yeah, that's right, you go. Okay? So when it comes to the Passover, we see the justice of God. We see that this is only, this was, I don't think this was God's idea. This was Pharaoh's idea to kill the firstborn sons. And God 
could have right then said, I'm out, it's over. But no, God is patient. He's wanting Pharaoh to repent. So he sends him a message, and he warns him, and he gives him sign after sign after sign, right? And Pharaoh's like, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. Finally, he's like, okay, you've made your choice. This is the reality of God, the justice and the mercy of God. Okay, so Numbers 32, 23 says, your sin will find you out. We think, and I think, I thought, I think it, I'm tempted to think it. We all think that the reason we don't take sin very seriously is because we're getting away with it. I mean, I sinned and I felt guilt and shame. I was like, but no lightning and fine and no one found out. So, oh well. Not how it works, guys. Now how it works. Let me be a prophet in a way to, into your heart. Your sin will find you out. It will bear its consequences. It will rear its head at some point. You can't hide it. God is everywhere. Back to the sign. Okay? God is everywhere. He sees everything. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. Okay? And He will send you warning. So if you're hearing my voice, you have an opportunity to repent and throw yourself at the mercy of the court and get under the blood of the Lamb of the Passover. But if you harden your heart then it will not go well. It will not go well in here and especially in eternity. Um, Galatians 6 says, do not be deceived. Why did Galatians, Paul have to write that? Because we are good at deceiving ourselves. Every heart is deceitful above all things. We're so good at deceiving ourselves and tricking ourselves. But God says, do not be deceived. You will reap, a man reaps what he sows. He reaps what he sows. And if God weren't that way, we wouldn't have respect because it's unjust. It's unfair. But God is just. But He's not only just, He's merciful. And for those who choose, He provides the Passover lamb. John 1, 29, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Who of us has not sinned? Who of us has not sinned? So either we bear the consequence and the full wrath of that consequence, or we get into the Lamb of God and under the Lamb, the blood of the Lamb. 1 Corinthians 5 or 7 says, For Christ, our Passover, also has been sacrificed. Clearly, this is a type of God sending not just a lamb, but His own Son to, to be sacrificed into His blood to um, forgive our sins and take away the sins of the world. Okay, so that's number two. The justice, they, through the Passover experience, they learned to know Yahweh's justice and mercy. Justice and mercy, all pointing to the cross of Christ. Number three, though, is his presence experience. If you look in chapter 13, verse 21, it says here, uh, it's just a couple verses, but it says, The Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way, and a pillar of fire by night to give them light, that they might travel by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So this is the first time we see God's presence come and lead them in the cloud 
and in the fire he leads them. And this cloud and this fire leads them, guides them, and protects them. So when they went out and the Egyptians started chasing them, it says the cloud went between the people and the enemy. I love that. Clearly this is, a, this is pointing toward the Holy Spirit and how the Spirit leads us, amen, and, it, and the Spirit guides us, okay? The Spirit also protects us. Um, have, have you ever had a, a close call, like on the highway or something like that, close calls, and you've walked away like, whoa, like that should have ended a lot worse. Are you with me there? And we have guardian angels. This could, actually, at one point it says the angel of God, in the cloud. So this could be an angel, it could be a Holy Spirit. Somehow it points to uh, good and guidance and protection. Okay? Galatians 5.20 says, keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Just because God gave them the Spirit doesn't mean the Israelites kept in step with the Spirit. They had to make a choice. I'm going to follow, I'm going to stick with the Spirit, or I'm going to go my own way. Okay, it's in, lastly, I want to talk through this pass-through experience. The pass-through experience of chapter 14. So you have the Israelites going out of Egypt, okay? And Pharaoh once again hardening his heart, God hardening his heart, changing his mind. So the first five plagues, we see Pharaoh harden his own fart, heart. The last five, we see God hardening his heart in order for, to, for redemptive purposes, okay? So here, God hardened his heart. They went out. And they chased him, and we, read, we pick it up in um, chapter 14. Uh, the, this, we all know the, big, the story of the Red Sea, right? They're all, they see them coming, oh, freaking out. Thanks a lot, Moses. You just brought us out here to die, and there are enough graves in Egypt. We could have just died there. You know, the people of, the, the people of God's attitude through this is really um, interesting. in <laughs> uh, a lesson for us, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. But... Uh, um, Moses is like, listen, God is going to fight for you. God will provide a way. He hasn't brought us this far to not take us all the way. Okay? And so you have the sea dividing, the Israelites passing through on dry ground, getting to the other side, the Egyptians following, okay? and then the sea coming over. So there's an experience. Think about what you would learn about God from that experience, the passing through the sea experience. But that experience wasn't just for them. Okay, let's, let's actually read chapter 14, verse 30, and then through chapter 15, verse 18. Okay, because they have the experience, and then the experience is interpreted into praise and worship of God. So in 14.30 it says, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Then Moses and the sons of Israel sang the song to the Lord and said, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will extol him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. The choicest of his officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep covers them. They went down into the depths like a stone. 
Your right hand, O Lord, is majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. And in the greatness of your excellence, you overthrow those who rise up against you. You send forth your burning anger, and it consumes them as chaff. The blast of your nostrils, the waters were piled up. The flowing waters stood up like a heap. The deeps were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be gratified against them. I will draw out my sword. My hand will destroy them. You blew with your wind and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. In your loving kindness, you have led the people whom you have redeemed. In your strength, you have guided them to your holy habitation. The peoples have heard, they tremble. Anguish has gripped the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom were dismayed. The leaders of Moab, trembling, grips them. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them. By the greatness of your arm, they are motionless as stone. Until your people pass over, O Lord, until the people pass over whom you have purchased, you will bring them and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance. The place O Lord, which you have made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. Amen and amen. This is the pass through the waters experience in Yahweh's complete victory. Complete victory. This isn't just for the Israelites, okay? This is for us. You know, the, I want to talk about this combination of blood and water that we see in retrospect. So we see the blood of the Passover, but we also see the water going through the water. There's, there's a, a pre, preview of the new covenant, okay? In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, the Bible says to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, and say, like, well, what is the... We see the water of the baptism, but where's the blood? Let's look over in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And pretty soon we're going to take communion, and we're going to remember the sacrifice of Jesus. But in Romans 6, we see the connection of the blood in the water. Verse 1 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? So that'd be like the Israelites who though they came out of Egypt and out from under the power of Pharaoh, struggling with wanting to go back in. And that's what they did. They did struggle with that. And that's the same thing we struggle with. It's like, okay, I don't want the world, but ooh, I kind of want the world. Amen? It's like, no, that, that's sin. It's darkness. It's, I've reaped consequences. You know, I want to go this direction, but boy, I still kind of want that. Right? Okay? And it says, no, we died to sin. How can we live in it? Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? We're therefore buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. What Paul does is he helps us understand that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is the Passover, but the, the baptism is when we connect, it's when we identify, it's when we become one with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Does that make sense? Um, blood and water, this theme together, the first plague, 
of the Egyptians was the water turned to blood. The book of Leviticus, blood and water are combined. The sacrifice and the water combined to sprinkle the scroll, sprinkle the people to purify, to sanctify. Hebrews chapter 9 explains that. Jesus, in John 19.34, when speared, it says blood and water. There was a sudden flow of blood and water. Okay, and then 1 John chapter 5, and we'll close with this. 1 John, you get there, chapter 5 explains why this consistent connection of blood and water. It says, uh, verse 6, This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not with the water only, but with the water and with the blood. It is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and the three are in agreement. And this is what we see in Exodus. We see the Spirit, the cloud, and the fire, and later on we'll see this God's presence coming into the middle of the tabernacle. Okay? So we have the Spirit and the blood of the Passover and the water of passing through the sea. All in agreement. Say, listen, well, I just thought that I had to believe and acknowledge a God and I'm saved. No, we have to hear his voice, Shema. Hear, listen, and obey. 2 Thessalonians 1.8 says, he who obeys the gospel. What do you mean, obey the gospel? That sounds like a human work. No, no, no. God works in us to join his work. And what we have a choice to make. And this is where the blood of Jesus and the water and the spirit the Bible says in Acts 2 that says when we repent and are baptized, we receive the forgiveness of our sins and the indwelling of the Spirit. This is God as deliverer. God as deliverer. Amen? Do you know God as deliverer? Are you delivered and being delivered from the power of Egypt today? So, boy, Egypt's a long ways away. It's symbolic of the power of the world, the people of the world having influence on you in the land of the world, delivered from that into the power of God, the lordship of Christ, the people of God in the promised land to come. Shema, Shema, dinner's ready, dinner's ready. God's calling for more than a physical dinner that's ready. It's the kingdom of God. Hear his voice. Listen and obey the word of God. Amen?